Hello, and welcome back to First Issue Club Podcast, a weekly podcast where we cover first issues of the week and try to aid you through the muddy and murky waters of the comic book landscape. Sometimes we are successful, most times we are not. But hey, at least we're trying. Mike, what books are we covering this week? This week, we're talking about Leviathan number one out on Image Comics. We've got The Seeds, which is on a Dark Horse imprint called Burger Books. And Infinity Wars number one from Marvel Comics. Ooh. A tasty trio. I know. I'm excited. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, uh, our friend Heather, who is a a sci-fi expert. I won't call her a fanatic because that is a rude term. Let's get to know everyone in the club today. And in the book Seeds, there's some uh, romantic relations between a uh, otherworldly creature and a human. So my question to you guys is, what would be your perfect alien lover? Um, well, this is Greg Licktie. My perfect uh, alien lover already exists. I don't have to think him up or dream him up. And his name is Alf. And he came to this planet in the 1980s and tragically left in the early 90s. And I dream that one day he'll be back to hold my hair back and we can talk about cats and how delicious they are. But, hold um, your hair back? Are you vomiting a lot? or You try getting a hairball out. <laughs> Okay. Wait. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mine would be Predator, but the brain of it would be my mom. Wait, who's talking? <laughs> Sorry, this is Budget King. Oh. And uh, my um, perfect mate would be Predator, God. but the my mom is uploaded into their... Uh, Body. All right, a few things that are problematic. <laughs> the mom thing. I like my mom. <laughs> you know what? I bet she's great, and I love my mom too. I don't know if I'd want. I don't have to make love to the predator. I just have to. They're just um like a. Oh, I no. thought that then was we just gonna make an emotional Yeah. Wait, we're having sex with this? You don't already yeah. have that? Yeah. Why? Well, my my. My, okay. my mom's aging, <laughs> so See, I wondered. Uh, <laughs> you want her to stay alive in your alien lover's body? <laughs> hey, Mom, turn your brain off for a second. <laughs> no, okay. Turn your brain off for a second. My name is Mike DeStacy, and I think I would go out with the opera singer from The Fifth Element. Oh. Yeah, that's a good one. Because I think when she orgasms, uh, it would just be like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> It would be your own aria. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It'd be beautiful. Yeah. The music we would inspire she's got together. Some yeah. moves too. Like she's doing like hand flips and like all sorts of Yeah. She's blue, but she'll never leave me blue. Aww. Uh, my name is Caitlin and I would pick um Kiff from Futurama. Aww. He is a sweetheart. Yeah. Kiff is actually a really good answer. I like I Kiff. Think, yeah. Who'd, and he's I got mean, slimy hands. Yeah. So, like, he would always feel a little damp. <laughs> to really, really slimy up. Yeah, right. Uh, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know who Kiff is. What is that Kiff? is the best impression. What's Kiff look like? He's like a he's very green. stereotypical alien. Yeah. Big oh. head, tiny yeah. arms. He didn't wear clothes. Did you not watch Futurama? Yeah. No, I didn't. Sorry. Really? Oh, man. Wow. One of my favorite cartoons of all time. Yeah, it's great. I'm not opposed to it. It's the same guy who made The Simpsons, which I'm sure you probably already know. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for mansplaining. <laughs> yeah. Mac graining. Lord. Mac. At least I'm not fucking the predator with my mom's brain. 
Uh, well, I don't think uh, there's a comeback from that. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think you might be dead. <laughs> I think Greg might have murdered you with that line. It's a good point. I hold nothing back anymore. <laughs> I didn't know we were fucking them. <laughs> I thought they were oh. part of Alien Greg, Lover. Did Greg, you not understand? Greg picked Alf. He thought we said Alien Mother. Is Greg, <laughs> he did. So Greg's fucking Alf, and you're not you're not messing with Greg right it's now. It's Greg. He's always had a thing for Alf. His first crush was the legs from Tom and Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Like we're going, I'm there's just not much you. It's <laughs> a good point. Okay, I'm Heather Coakley. I'm assuming E.T. is maybe a child, and if he had a daddy, (laughs) then that would be mine. E.T.'s dad? It's like E.T. with the dad bod, but like a little bit taller. He's got those long fingers with the bulbs on the end. Oh, boy. (laughs) And they light up. It's like a special treat. I just see E.T.'s dad wearing cargo shorts, just yes. like, hi. I get my son on the weekends, but the rest of the time is dedicated to you. I'm sure he always has great cell phone coverage for when he's phoning home. Check out my it's ball like sack win, fingers. Win. <laughs> yeah. Light up bulb fingers. Yeah. Okay, now that we... Uh, I choose God, actually. God mm. damn it. <laughs> All right. With your mom's brain. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and with that, let's get this podcast started. All right, and first up, we got Leviathan out on image. And uh, this book is written by John Lehman and Nick Patara. This comic book is Godzilla or Cloverfield. The difference here is that a goth man... What's his name? Goth man John? Goth Jimmy. Goth Jimmy. (laughs) Uh, Goth Jimmy uh, summons the Cthulhu Godzilla-esque character to come and destroy New York City, right? So so it is a a Leviathan, like, from the Bible. Like yeah. a Bible lizard. Yeah, which is weird because one of our friends was going to read it this week and she's like, I'm excited about the whole Bible religion angle. And, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it won't be that way because I don't know about that, apparently. <laughs> so I was like trying to tell her it wasn't going to be yeah. like that. And then y- you get even like a priest connection in the book. Yeah. So I was like, she was 100% right. Yeah. And one of the covers even like embraces that. I miss seeing that variant, but I've seen it since, and mm-hmm. I really liked it. Had I known there was giant monsters to dro- destroying cities in the Bible, I probably would have been <laughs> more apt to say religious. There's a lot of I insane think, stuff. I think in I think it. Leviathan actually eats the world, right? Well, aren't Leviathans like God's first is that what creatures it is? or something, and then they turn bad, and he yeah. like sticks them all in a hole. Whoa. <laughs> okay, bad batch. And then they bad climb batch. out and ruin your city. <laughs> yeah. But they are like kind of crocodile looking things, like exactly like this. I mean, this I think yeah. it looks romantic. On the I only cover. know yeah. them from Magic the Gathering. <laughs> That's it, really. I mean, I think this book is slightly straightforward, but in all the best ways. But this book is way, 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 way amped up to highlight the beautiful insanity artwork that is uh, done by Nick Patara. To date, my favorite centerfold piece in a comic book exists in this comic book when they finally reveal the. Uh, Big monster. Oh yeah, where he's just yeah. like jumping out of the street and just destroying it was expansive. shit. Yeah. So I looked ahead at some of the new covers that are coming out. It gets batshit crazy. Isn't one of the monsters just a triceratops? Yes. Yeah, so dinosaurs get released. <laughs> There's just like. Yeah, so this so is not many. the 
Yeah, like I think that what's interesting is like the covers promise way more than this comic did, and I think that it is such. So this comic had a ton of hype at uh, Image Expo. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, I think on the artwork alone, and I think that they kind of just gave you the straightforward premise, and that I think maybe they kind of bet on this idea that guy that ran out of beer at a party and then Godzilla comes is like enough like conversationally to just sell somebody on a comic but it seems like they're going to over deliver after this yeah i was i remember feeling like it was very short when i read it and i was a little a little bit like too short but i think they're doing a good job pacing it with all the art that you have to absorb in this because if i want it to stay as high quality as it is then it might have to be a little shorter or, like, feel a little bit less wordy, but that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. So, did, like, Goth Jimmy open a portal to hell? I did see in the, did you see on the first page when there's the priest, there's also that, uh, like, crazy homeless street preacher with the microphone, and I was wondering if he would maybe on some level, like, be an antagonist for the priest to be, like, yeah. two. Yeah. Did you think he was getting, like, a message from the great beyond, the hobo? Maybe. A little okay. bit crazy, a little bit sane. I think, isn't that, like, a common trope for... Uh, crazy homeless people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They always know. Yeah. Or they're like used as prophets at certain points of their lives. Yeah. Like the one you ignore the most actually has the most information that you need. Well, yeah, there's a direct like pulling back to the priest when you see he's like looking at Goth Jimmy or he's like. I'm sure a lot of people look last, at Goth Jimmy. No, I'm just saying they're both in that <laughs> last Jimmy, panel by the way. <laughs> where he's telling the Leviathan that he knows, yeah, that he knows what it is and he knows how to stop it. He, it seems like he has connected with on some level of knowing how it was summoned because you have Goth Jimmy showing back up again. Like, <laughs> hey, pricking my finger, calling this monster up. Suddenly got a robe to wear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brought my robe. Brought yeah. my conjuring robe. Are we going to be, are we going gla- like, to glaze over the whole number 45 like sequence that we have in here with... Like, government bringing out the toys that they're going to use, too. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about that. I did, too. Talk about that. Okay. So, a lot of comics have been really subtly peppering in, like, references to um, Trump. And, like, they'll kind of allude to, like, this is the shitty president that they're talking about, but then they won't come out and say it. And this is, like, caricature for sure. It is 100% what they're trying to do, and it's not subtle at all. God, Caitlin, I'm, I don't have the comic book in front of me right now. I'm so glad you brought this up. This comic book, more than any other comic book I've ever seen, straight up fucking rips Trump apart. Yeah. Like, so no good, holds bar. Though. Because it's not, it's, yeah. don't be subtle because we know what you're getting at. And finally, I think. God, I have f- totally forgot about just, that. Yeah. He's sleeping with a, a the teddy bear with the MAGA hat. He's they give got, him man titties and a giant mural of himself. And his abs. Yes. On the- and he has um, man hands that he can put. They're like little gloves that are sitting on a pedestal by his nightstand so he can have bigger hands yeah that's that's just so funny everybody should say this about that comic book they just went straight for the throat on on him they did on trump i think i think i think that enough people are fed up and just done with trump that they're just like fuck it you know what like i'm not gonna try to be like Oh, there. This is uh, you know, it's kind of the president or whatever. It's just, just like this guy fucking sucks, and every time I reference him, I'm gonna tell you how much he fucking sucks. Right. Yeah. And then like they assemble this ragtag group of like seasoned war veterans who have like scars and okay, but they look like skin. zombies. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, they look like really fucked up. 
I don't know if they're zombies, but they look like they're missing. I mean, missing... maybe that's a thing, though. Is like, gotta be a little bit dead to be manipulated. Zombie yeah. army. Yeah. Like, they just But then they have, follow. like, big, big mechs and things in there that they're gonna unleash, I guess. Yeah, they show, like, their war room. Yeah. We Heather and I were talking about this book a little bit before um, we did this, and the amount of care going into the illustrations of, like, the people in the crowds that are just you you don't see them at first yeah. and then they sneak up on you and you're like, like Ooh, a that Where's girl Waldo. that's running out with maybe no pants yeah. on. <laughs> or we just found this other guy that was like in one doing of the bondage buildings. in yeah. one of the windows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's I, just so encompassing. <laughs> it's wonderful. I read an interview with Patara before this, the illustrator, and he said his one criteria for this was he wanted to make the best illustrated book he's ever made. Uh, huh. and, and he's making them giant and then he shrinks them down oh. uh, to allow that to happen so that he That's can get those, awesome. like, the detail there. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it really shows this book is bananas. Yeah. I mean, even the minutia is, like, very detailed. It's it's awesome. This is, like, yeah, I don't often think this about comic books. You forget how good art is until it's just not there. Like, it's, like, it's subtle. And I think that this comic book is going to carry me through all the way just because of like how brilliant the art is yeah so so burger books is an imprint of dark horse first of all a great name burger books yeah i'm into it yeah so like the front cover and the back cover are like buns and then the things in no. between, that's the meat. Oh. <laughs> you know that's like saying? a really deep kind of thought out name. So and with that, I would like to introduce Seeds, number one, out on Burger Books, the imprint of Dark Horse, by David Aha and Anne Nocenti. So Seeds, it's got bees, it's got love, it's got aliens, and it's got hungry young reporters. It is done in a like kind of like this gray monotone color. You really have to do a lot of work in this book just to keep a sense of like moving forward and along pace with the book itself. I totally agree. I, normally when I say I had to read this book twice, the second time I'm scanning it, this one I like full-blown read a second time. You've got two zones. One is completely without tech. And people are making the choice to go to that zone so that they do not have to keep up with that, which was a little confusing because you see wives who husbands have left them for that zone. You see daughters that are young that's, mm-hmm. that their fathers have left for that zone, and you just kind of don't know what has caused this event to be so dichotomized, which brings us to this reporter who's like, I'm getting over there, I'm seeing what's over there, and I'm going to share this story. This is going to be my pet project that I will work on. Um, because no one does know. No one knows. I thought that I that in the in the book there was like newspaper clippings around that technology had reached a point where it was super invasive. Like there was drones everywhere. You really had no freedom of privacy. And so that's what happened. Like there was a revolt against technology and there was this just like real pushback. And so that's why this wall was created. So these people had this land where there wouldn't be any surveillance or they had their privacy back, and they, in doing that, they had to have no technology whatsoever. So it gets a little bit more confusing, if that wasn't um, a little confusing 
to begin with when you have this character who is in a wheelchair, but she is able to walk for short distances and you see her intimately involved with this person who's got a gas mask on and you don't really see, looks like the build of a human, but you don't really see his face or anything. He goes off and then apparently hops the border with no difficulty whatsoever. Then he's with the beekeepers, right? Or are those not the was, beekeepers? I think that's just a separate. They referenced him. There are different beekeepers. There are two different sets of beekeepers oh, in this book. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So there's there are two like, different beekeepers. Yeah, if you look at the outfits they're wearing while they're keeping bees. one has 13. Bees, yeah. Yeah, There's people who have saying. like a classic beekeeping outfit, and then there's these guys who look like they're in like vintage space suits. Oh, I yeah. thought those were right. just the... I didn't realize that alien guys were also beekeepers. Yeah. They looked kind of... They had the same... I just... I guess my brain just made that connect that quick connection. Like, I saw a beekeeper once just before. I'm going to assume these are beekeepers too. But you get a sense that the... They've been sent to where... You don't even know what they are. You kind of assume that they're still human at this point. Because right. they look for... Completely for all the world like they are. And they're talking about being sent to this place and not really sure why they're being sent to this place because the places that they're usually sent to to collect samples are doomed places. And you do kind of get a sense that things are dismal and they're weird, but, like, you don't really... They're they're the ones telling you as you're reading this book that this is a doomed scenario. But they don't seem to really know why it's doomed. Mm-mm. They're following orders. Also, did we ever really, and maybe I missed it somewhere from having to read it multiple times, <laughs> but what samples they're taking from the people? No. Because it seems like uh-uh. they have jars of seeds, and then after the wheelchair girl bangs the mask guy, which I'm not even convinced in the beginning she knows is an alien, no. she makes that reference where she's sitting on the toilet about his seed. Yeah. And some, like, seeds. Yeah, and she's like, oh, you need to go collect more seeds or just plant them? Yeah, you're going to put your seeds in me. And then he (laughs) has a jar of seeds. Yeah. Boom, boom. So, obviously, bees, a heavy theme in this book. (laughs) And seeds, a heavy theme. I I think pollination is referred to a handful of times. absolutely And so I'm thinking that the seeds and pollination are supposed to be an allusion to what we're going to ultimately find out what seed, like it, the seeds they're harvesting from Earth, like actually are. Yes. But what if God was it confusing? I don't think we're supposed to know yet. I think that's going to be one of those. What if like, he's impregnating moments. her and then they're like extracting? I either like it could uh, be embryos or something so they can save them later. Yes, because the other thing was the piece of pollination that it referenced was that the trees and the plants themselves cannot move to reproduce. So there has to be an agent that comes in and brings something from one place to another to enable that breeding to happen. Yeah. So are we to understand that they don't know that aliens exist? No. In fact, they have a conversation earlier in the book where you find out that they think aliens are a complete myth. Yeah. They set yeah. that up a little Because they were talking earlier. about fake news. Right. And, uh, and it's like, which was another you big make theme up a story book. and then it eventually becomes real and yeah. people believe it's real and then suddenly it is real. Commentary. Which was yeah. funny because they're planting <laughs> seeds of thought and ideas too. Like I, it was very, like yeah. I got that that Whoa. was a big theme too. Seeds. In, in the alien guy goes, yeah. Yeah. The alien guy goes back to his beekeepers and they're like, does she know who you are too? So it's like, they're very hidden, I think, at this on their end too. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're really trying to be known. But like, do you think the wheelchair girl knows something though? Because did anybody She's else notice the stuff with the hexagons throughout 
No. The, so, yes. So there's, like, obviously they have the hives that have all the hexagons, and then there's this, like, there's a weird shot with, like, a camera that has one, and then she has a, a tattoo on her arm oh. that also has, mm-hmm. like, a hive. They zoom in on the period, on a text yes. message uh-huh. later, yeah. and it's a hexagon. Yeah, like, what are they doing with those? If, like, you, if you look at the uh, B on the cover of the book, there's an alien face. <gasps> oh, there is. In the middle of the bee. So there's a lot of like hidden symbology throughout the When then the they talk about book. the bee taking a sample from the alien, like it stings the, yes. the alien. Right. So, like, what are the bees? <laughs> are they like the master race? Oh, are they fake bees? Maybe they're little oh, robots. I wonder if they're like the in- alien beekeepers are releasing they're them. They're making engineered bees that are what if it's pollinating like- the earth. To save the planet. Are the, are the bees the seeds? Jesus Christ. The bees might be the seeds. The okay. bees could be the seeds. <laughs> I'll, I'll be very frank. When I first read this book, I hated it. Um, Same. I didn't like it the first time either. And now that I we're talking did. about it, I was just like, I kind of really dig this book now. <laughs> I liked it. I actually, I know that the monotone was hard to follow for a lot of people, but I thought that it actually gave it a lot of depth. One question that I had that has gone unanswered so far the birds can talk. <laughs> yeah, great, great They're point. They're just doing their own commentary. Wait, what? So there's something. Yeah. So here's what I think the birds are. I think the birds. Oh, oh, are, oh! I yes. Do you sorry. have a theory? Well, no. But I remembered what that they could because they were repeating words that you might hear yes. said in those specific situations. Great. So thanks for interrupting me to tell me you don't have a theory. <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome. So here was here was my thought. At one point, the reporter is like, "Take data, send it to such and such place," and it just like happens. Oh, you think and they're like carrier birds? I think that they're the the birds are like the fake Wi-Fi. birds that are the Wi-Fi that they make a network Whoa. of internet. They're like new drones. Yes, that would be. Super interesting. Which would which would lead into the point that like these people like hate that they have a complete lack of privacy and the government is like all up in their business with the technology. I think that's that's supposed to be part of it, but it's just an illusion to there's just a lot of little things like that yeah. that they don't explain in this. Right. Hey, you guys want to talk about uh, the reveal of the alien and like <sighs> oh, at the No, end. not really. I mean we can though. Why is he the most because... stereotypical looking alien? Yeah. He's and you know that he's got a normal bod with a night crawler, and then he's got this <laughs> face that's like, "Hi, I'm the alien from Ancient Aliens." Yeah, yeah, you're 100 percent right. And it's totally even the signs thing where yeah. it's like, "Oh, alien face and a weird angle." Oh, yeah, like, X Files. Yeah. Which was actually the scariest thing in the world to me to see an alien during the day. Oh, like signs, so creepy. Signs, signs changed the game with aliens when it was just like daytime dead. aliens. Ugh. Yeah, that's like seeing a ghost during the daytime. Like, hey, you're not supposed to be out right now. What yeah. the fuck? My, my, one of my, one of the weird things with this. So, reporter steps outside to have a smoke. She catches this alien smooching this girl, um, who we thought before didn't know he was an alien, but now for sure has to. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, don't you think something's up when you bang a guy in a gas mask and he doesn't take it off? Hey, listen, whatever he, happens in their know, dilapidated point, apartment building. So, because she's like butt ass naked earlier, and he's like fully clothed with a yeah. mask on, and she's dispensing the seeds. I don't know. Into I looked at those pictures a lot when I first read it, and I was like, when they're doing it, does he have a mask? I on? don't think he did. I think you're right. I think she knows. Depends on what she she's into. She has to know. But um, yeah. 
Yeah. But what is, so when the reporter sees the alien and she gets the picture of him, what does his face say to you? Huh? No, to me, it says, you're dead, bitch. <laughs> it looks like he's going to, like, fucking, like, he's just like, I see you. Yeah. Problem. Yeah. That we have. I'm yeah, going to solve it yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. He's like, and she's I'm just memorizing like, your face, tracking you down later. Yes. And she's just like, oh, I'm going to email my boss. I got this crazy lead. I'm like, this alien's going to fucking kill you. Run away. Yeah. Now's not the time for an email. But maybe she's like, oh, he's walking around holding hands with the girl in a wheelchair. Yeah, he's harmless. Yeah. Like, obviously, this person that can't run away from him trusts him. So if I take a picture. Yeah. Yeah, but still, like, Don't the face think- was just like, oh. Don't you think your first instinct would be, like, if this was you. To run. If you were this reporter, <laughs> my... I would think, I would be like, whoa, that mask is crazy. And then later I would tell my friends, I saw this guy who was wearing this alien mask. It was like, so like movie real. Yeah. Also, it was real. I saw a real alien. Maybe he's just a <laughs> wizard. He kind of looks like old Lord Voldemort a little <laughs> he bit. He does look like Voldemort. <laughs> you guys, I just saw Voldemort. Um, he's real and he's dating a girl in a wheelchair. I would just, I could see <laughs> this and even... I would never think it was real. And aren't these fucking internet birds going to get plenty of pictures of them already? <laughs> True. Are, Blink their eyes. They are. are they Twitter? Oh, oh come on. <laughs> oh, don't shit on me for that. Are they? Maybe they are. They might be. <laughs> oh, but I'm so glad you both, everybody, because I'm trying to make sense of this and trying to put like a... I needed Even four like people to sum- like this book. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Yes. Even to summarize, like, this is why having a club, if you read comic books, is so beneficial because yep. yeah. you need other people to tell you things that you missed because yeah. you just can't get it all. Ladies and gentlemen. It's finally here. The event we've all been waiting for. Infinity Wars number one from Marvel Comics. Writer, Jerry Duggan. Artist, Mike Diodato Jr. Color artist, Frank Martin. And best introer ever, Michael Corrigan. Guys, <laughs> Infinity Wars is here. We did it uh, after much hype. We did it. Of <laughs> we waited and we survived, right? The we did. I, I feel like um, this is one of the more anticipated events in comics, especially if you're a Marvel fan. Really? Um, I didn't know this was going to come out. A long time. Are you kidding? <laughs> I, no, but I'm not you, kidding. But you, but you consider yourself like a Marvel fan. Yeah. I, I seriously didn't think this was going to be a huge deal. Greg, there's been a whole comic book <laughs> called series. called Prime. <laughs> that's like, yeah. been like <laughs> leading up. up to this. Yeah, like, I skipped it because I thought I was going to be like a one shot. I was like, okay. I There's like six this. offshoots that are like leading up to this. Yeah. This is, it's already completely <laughs> infiltrated the Marvel comic book <laughs> landscape. Like, all, like, many books are affected, which was something I wanted to talk about. I'll bring it up right now because I'm mad at you. Um, so, last week, Infinity Wars Prime came out, which, as you may assume, is a primer for Infinity Wars. Oh, I thought it was just not divisible by uh, two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Marvel math joke. 
This is uh, the episode where Mike T leaves. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing about me that if you're a longtime listener, you probably know that I'm like the huge Marvel nerd. Um, so I get really into this stuff. Maybe not everyone else so much. I'm completely bought in on Infinity Wars and what that is. I'll say, however, that I did not buy all of the books that led up to Infinity Wars number one because I don't make six figures and it would cost a like fucking fortune to buy all these books. It's like insane that Marvel Honestly, expects you to like care about comics and buy your normal comics that you want to buy and then still purchase everything that ties into the series. Also That's yes. like food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like the back, even the back of this book, like the calendar where it's like, okay, you got this one checked off. Now oh, go buy all of the I rest know. of these. I was like, can I just give up now? Totally. It's there's two so... books checked off and there's like, uh, it looks like 20 to come. Yeah. Um, it is a beast. But um, so one thing we found out in Infinity Wars Prime was we saw the death of Thanos. Um, if you've been reading um, Thor, you're going to get some spoilers here. Um, they are in Valhalla, which is like Marvel's version of the afterlife, at least for like Norse gods and things like that. Um, oh my god, I sound really fucking nerdy. No, that's just a yeah. Norse yeah. mythology. This, yeah, this yeah. is just a mythology. Thank you, Heather. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> Coming You're, in for the defense. I feel real fucking cool again. <laughs> Let me tell you about Norse mythology in the young adult series I read. <laughs> this is why I like Heather. <laughs> um, all right, so... Thor and Loki are in Valhalla on, like, a mission mm-hmm. um, that just relates strictly to, like, the Thor comic and its ongoing storyline. In this last issue, Thanos shows up. And I read that book before I read Infinity Wars Prime. And so I was like, why is Thanos dead? But ultimately you find out in Infinity Wars Prime that this mysterious person who's been um, gallivanting around the universe and putting actions into motion that involve the Infinity Stones from the movie, if you're familiar. Uh, just straight up murders Thanos right through the right through the chest with a sword and then lobs his head off. Spoiler alert, it's his daughter. It is his daughter. <laughs> we find out uh, at the end of this Infinity Wars number one book that Gamora has the Power Stone. She's fooled her old group, the Guardians of the Galaxy, by giving them a fake Infinity Stone. In such a cold way. Doesn't she lift it from Quill? Yeah. yeah. While they're like, kissing him? Kissing. Yeah. Cold. Totally. Cold-blooded. So I never read Groot, but Groot can talk now. Okay, that's a question Thank I had. Thank God. <laughs> am, I, am I right? <laughs> Is anyone else just like, finally, Groot has things to say? Because Groot was like the perfect... C-3PO character. Mm-hmm. That he's R2-D2. just like kind of a dummy. But now he's like well, an he egomaniac. Well, he was R2-D2. Now he's C-3PO. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, 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 gotcha. But like, so he can talk, but he's dumber. Because I feel like R2-D2 was the smart one. He just didn't have words. Yeah. He had like unspoken yes. community. Now we're getting yeah. into Star Wars. Yes. Hold on. Yeah. I'm just saying. No, I you're right. I don't want to explain okay, Star Wars to ladies. C-3PO is just too rigid. <laughs> <laughs> too rigid. <laughs> Because you're wrong about everything you just said. Uh, <laughs> God. Obviously, we're, we are joking. <laughs> I don't know what's at stake here. Am I supposed to root for Gamora at this point? I think you're supposed to be torn on all ends. I feel like there's reasons to root for Gamora. 
I think there's reasons to root against her. She deceived Star-Lord. She certainly did. I think that, so, there's some previous events that have unfolded where, obviously, if you read this book, you know that the Soul Stone is a little out of whack. Something's happened there. Gamora references missing a piece of herself. She's gone through some traumatic things. There's a lot of involvement with the Infinity Stones. Maybe something, some piece of her that she can gain back by having access to them all. And I think that she's found this weird vacancy in her soul. And that's driving her to get all the Infinity Stones. And it and it poses an interesting situation, I think, with Marvel where she's this person who's always rejected and stood completely against her father, Thanos, and what he represents. And uh, in perfect form, she's his prodigy that is going to be taking his mantle. And they yeah. even mention that. Yes. They say, how, how do you know that this isn't what he wanted, thought, yeah, wanted for you? Well, and she literally names herself Requiem. Yeah. Which is what he called her. Yeah. And she embraces that. Like, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll say this then. If I got asked to write this book, I'd be like, fuck my life. Like, I get the, I get the lame-ass end-of-the-summer event with all these other cool summer events. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? But it wasn't bad. No, I think these these are the sort of things where you're just like, this is going to be impossible to write because it's going to be so tedious. I'm going to have to involve so many characters. No one's going to care. But I thought this read was easy-peasy. Hey, do you guys want to get into what this book's about at all? Yeah, because yes. I'm kind of confused. That? I can't even keep track. Yeah, what's it about? So, here, here's what I think it's about. <laughs> Doctor Strange has to get together a ragtag group of people to form the Infinity, the Watch. Infinity Watch, which is teams of people to watch the Infinity Stones and get them off of Earth Correct. so the Infinity Gauntlet cannot be made again. Each yes. of them not being aware of the other's location. Which is, which is not a plot that has conflict. Until you insert Gamora. Yes. Which is strange, right? That's a little bit jarring. Because if if the whole plot, which is 90% of this book, is Doctor Strange just being like, you guys gotta assemble the, the rocks you have together, he could do it. And yeah. then there's like this weird thing that kind of thwarts it. Like, typically events don't have just a a thing that kind of just, like, thwarts a little bit of the plan as, like, the giant event of the summer. Maybe that's what makes us different. Well, I feel like there's a handful of things going on. And, well, I, I think the dynamics of all the stone holders... I did particularly find that um, legend very helpful. Yeah, Marvel's been doing this a lot at the beginning of their event books where they show you who's died, who the role <laughs> players are, who are holders of key elements. It's It's a great primer even the cycle with which they document the stones like this is one stone but it controls a different element and you have to have that's the reason yeah. it all finally clicked for me like duh okay now that's the reason that you have to have all of them together to why it's an infinity power. stone yeah because yeah. it creates a loop yeah because you're like well the power stone would do stuff with power and the space stuff would do like but you don't realize how they all work together i didn't yeah Let's talk about this climax of this book and what you guys thought of that where we uh, realized that Gamora's been the one who kills Thanos. She's kind of taking the helm of that. Peter confronts her because she's trying to get the Infinity Stones from everybody and he's standing in her way. Yeah. And he says, 
or what? You're not gonna kill me? You're not gonna kill me? And she says, nothing ever dies, Peter. And I think she's got a feeling like, I'm gonna get the stones. I can control life or death in the afterlife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the next panel is her just... Gutting him. Fucking gutting him. And it says, to be continued. So if you watch the movies, Gamora killing Peter Quill is... Do you think he's actually uh, dead? An intense scene. Yeah, I think she killed him. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, just like she's saying... Nothing ever dies. Nothing ever dies. I so, think she... So you think, think Star-Lord she, is dead in all of Marvel? I think Star-Lord is dead, and I think Gamora confidently believes she can bring him back from the dead, and yeah. I believe ultimately that will happen. I think in that moment right there, he's dead. Whether or not she can bring him back, or they go back in time, or an alternate reality, Peter Quill comes in and replaces him. I would like him to be dead. I think Thanos is dead, too, and the events of Thor are probably going to be what bring him back to life. Right. I'm sure Cosmic Ghost Rider has something to do with that. Cosmic Ghost Rider probably ties into that as well. A lot of moving parts here with this summer There certainly are. Event. If you're a Marvel fan, uh, you're uh, geeking out and your jeans are way too tight right now. <laughs> and if, <laughs> if you're not a Marvel fan, you're sitting here bored like Heather right now and you're like, <laughs> I, I could have tuned out of this podcast 30 minutes ago. When can I get home to my cats? Yeah. <laughs> and my plants? <laughs> Woo, woo, woo. Ooh-wee, baby. <laughs> what a week. Tell me about it. I was excited for a lot of the number ones that came out this week. Yeah, it was a great week for comics. Very diverse set of firsts that we got. And we thank you guys for joining us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you got a lot of good information. And uh, most of all, we hope you had a good time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you matter. You do matter to someone. <laughs> Maybe not us, but... Maybe not us, and that's okay, because to someone you matter. And and if you don't matter to anybody, you matter to us. There you go. You always have a home at First Issue Club. Mm-hmm. And if you matter to somebody... No fake crying. I can't handle that. I just want to say, <laughs> go to them. Oh, okay. Oh. Go to them. In the arms of the angels. (laughs) (laughs) Every dog needs a home. And every home needs a dog. Heather. It's too bad we can't have dogs in our fudge mansion. Mm. Why not? They'll lick themselves. You call your house a fudge mansion? That's where we record. Yeah, that you're you're inside in, of a fudge right mansion. Yeah. You might not realize because it's huge. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, well, so it's rich. Everything's made of cocoa. edible. It's like that Japanese show, mm. candy or not candy. Mm. Mm. Due to our when I'm hungry, I eat foam. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a diet. Yeah. So you've Heather been on strange on my, things. Yeah, my strange addiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she anyway, eats soundproofing. Heather, what I was gonna say is thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Hopefully, you had a good time. <laughs> I had a great time. Thanks for having me. You did fucking awesome. I know we pick on you a little bit, specifically me. That's cool. That's why I like. But you. we do it out of love <laughs> and for humor. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we are first issue club. We are recorded in the KCUR studios in Kansas City, Missouri. Our theme music is by Primary Colors Music. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts, which are edited and produced like our show, by Matthew Hodap. I love you. You can hear him on some of our previous episodes. 
Um, he does a great job, and he cuts down a lot of our bullshit into episodes that you listen to or do not. Hopefully you are listening, though. And if you are listening, go rate and review us. Just go. Please. It's super easy. Five takes stars. M- maybe a second. It takes no seconds of your time, and every time you rate and review us, we get like 20 new subscribers. Yeah. I'm it's, not even kidding. It's fantastic. Uh, with that, I'm Greg Liktai, signing off. It's Budget King. Open up your soul. Open up your heart. Uh, find yourself inside that heart and that soul, and love yourself for who you are. Um, thanks for being you. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm all right. I'm Mike DeStacy. Um, have a paper cut every once in a while just to f- feel a little something and feel alive. Thank you. Bye. Uh, I'm Caitlin Rossick, and I will show myself out. Oh, I have to do it. You too. have to do a sign off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't want to sing Chris tonight. You should. <laughs> Is there any other? I'm, I'm Heather Coakley, and if I go crazy. <laughs> you got to do it. I can't. I'm Heather Coakley, and if I go crazy, will you still call me Superman? Bye, guys. It was great to be here. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs>